we've come to worship Jesus. We've come to honor the one who is worthy of worship. Honor the one who is worthy. You know, when John, when he pointed to Jesus, he told his disciples saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Behold the Lamb of God. Even when John the apostle when he was in heaven and he was seeing a vision of Jesus the Bible says he saw a lamb as if he was slain a lamb as if he was slain you know for all eternity I know that our Jesus is not dead anymore you know that right he's alive but for all eternity there is going to be a picture of his death every time we see him we will get a revelation of a lamb that was slain. John, he's writing the book of Revelation in eternity, outside of time. He has been transported into the spirit realm. That is where he sees Jesus. And in that place, he still sees Jesus as a lamb who was slain. A lamb as if he was slain. And my prayer and my hope is that in this season, we will see Jesus as the lamb who was slain. If we can just constantly see Jesus as the lamb who was slain, everything else wouldn't matter. Everything else will be immaterial. Everything else will become superficial. Everything else will be of inconsequence in eternal value it wouldn't make a lot of difference when if we can just constantly see Jesus as the one who is the lamb that was slain today I'd like to teach you something and I hope that you would take this as something that you want to practice something that you want to engage with something that you would want to keep in front of your eyes can I share this with you this is Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. Can you read it with me? All the scriptures today, we will all read it together. Okay? Verse 1, it says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Okay, that let's read it slowly. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made... As clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So this morning, the Lord wants us to have the meaning of Jesus' death as clear to us as if we were physically present in front of the cross when Jesus died. What Paul is telling the church at Galatia is the revelation of Jesus' death. It became so real to you, so, so meaningful to you that it was as if the whole picture, you know, the other translations would use the word that the death of Jesus was portrayed before you or somebody drew a portrait of the person of Jesus dying on the cross. Read it one more time. It says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture 
of his death on the cross. So what Paul is saying is, church, you need this. You need to have a picture of Jesus' death on the cross. You need to have a revelation of it. You need to have a perspective about it. You need to be able to have it ever before your face. Now, I know what we are all thinking about. Passion of the Christ movie and the picture in that particular movie of Jesus dying. And that's just a human actor enacting something that God did in his divine mercy. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what the scripture says Jesus accomplished when he died for us on the cross. That if we can keep that ever before our face, so much so that everything that we will see, we will see through the cross. Everything that we do, we will do it because of the cross. Every action, reaction, responsibility, things that we will do and we will not do, it will all be because of our relationship with the cross of Jesus Christ. When we can live like that, when we can have a lifestyle where we, we constantly desire to see the meaning of the death of Jesus. It says that the full meaning, the complete meaning of Jesus Christ's death, you will see it. It was made clear to you because it, the, the whole picture was painted in front of your eyes. As if the whole picture of Jesus' death was painted in front of your eyes. So today I'd like to talk to you about the 14 benefits of having the picture of Jesus' death before you. The 14 benefits. Now, how do you get this picture? That's up to you. How you pursue him. Each and every one of us, we will have a revelation. Each and every one of us, we will have a, a word. We will have our own perspectives that God will give us as we pursue him. Paul, he wasn't there physically uh, on the day when Jesus died. And yet, he saw the death of Jesus in a revelation. Every single one of us, we can have a revelation of the death of Jesus. The reason I'm going to teach you about the benefits of having the picture, having a revelation of Jesus' death is because this, every time you have a need in your life, you will, instead of pursuing answers and solutions, you will pursue a revelation of the cross, a revelation of the death of Jesus, a revelation of Jesus crucified for you and for me. When you pursue that revelation, automatically all the benefits and the blessings that come to you as a result of keeping that picture before you will be yours. What happens with so many of us is we are constantly running after answers, whereas these answers are a package deal. All of it provided to us in the cross of Jesus. So instead of just pursuing the answers, we need to pursue the cross of Jesus. And when we pursue the cross of Jesus, all these answers that ought to be ours, all these solutions that ought to be ours, will be ours when we pursue this cross. Amen? So the first one is already there in this scripture. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? An evil spell on you. You know what it means to have a spell on you? It means that you're not in control of yourself. 
you are not in control of your decisions. You are not in control of your choices. Someone else has cast a spell on you. Another translation would use the word bewitched. You know, somebody who is, uh, you know, using charms or fantasies to control the outcome of your actions. And somebody who is trying to manipulate you. Somebody who is trying to change the outcome of your destiny, outcome of your life. This could be with a physical witchcraft that somebody is doing. Or it can be through emotional manipulation. Or it can be spiritual manipulation. You need to know that even in church, there is a lot of spiritual manipulation. It could be different types of control that somebody may have over you. And Paul says, hey, you foolish Galatians who is bewitched or who is having, who is behaving like somebody has cast a spell on you, don't you know that this is the answer? The answer is for you to keep your eyes on the cross of Jesus. What would you think is the answer to if, if somebody had to say there is a witchcraft against your life? What would you think is the natural answer? 40 days of fasting and prayer. Come on. Talk to me. Isn't that what we would do naturally? Paul would say, hey, this is the answer. You want to overcome witchcraft that is being done against your life. Not just to overcome, but also to expose every evil spell that is being put on your life. You should understand that as you live in life, there are going to be people who will wish evil for you. There are going to be people who will not like the prosperity and the blessing you have. There are going to be people who will not like the glory and the grace that you have access to when you're in the presence of God. But my question is, how do you respond? How do you overcome this? How do you receive victory when you are faced with a, an evil spell? You pursue a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, Lord, only if I can see the cross one more time. Not, not, just, not just, you know, sing a song about the cross. You know, how we have our way of doing things, right? You know, like when we feel an attack is coming, we'll, we'll, we'll sing a song about the cross or we will keep our physical cross or, or we will, you know, pour water on the, uh, you know, in, into on the enemy saying this is the blood of Jesus and all of that. We, we can try all of that. But Paul says, no, I don't need any of that. I just need to fix my vision. I just need to fix what I can see. Come on, Galatians, weren't you in that place once upon a time where the picture of the death of Jesus was as clear to you, even though you were not there physically, it was as clear to you as if you were there on that day and that picture was drawn in front of you. It was portrayed to you by God's spirit, by the servants of God. They portrayed a picture of Jesus' death. Isn't that enough for you to overcome every evil spell? So this morning, I don't know what is it that is trying to manipulate you. What is it that is trying to control you? Who is it is, who it is that is trying to deviate you from the things of God? Can I speak a blessing today that will cause you to pursue the cross? That will cause you to pursue the cross to an extent that every evil spell will lose its power over you. 
in Jesus' name. No, no more will that person be able to manipulate you. No more will your reactions be the same way. No more will your dreams be able to control the outcomes of your day. Sometimes the enemy sows seeds into your life through dreams. Things that he will subconsciously release into your spirit when you're not active. And then you're wondering, why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing when I'm awake? It's because there was a seed that was sown when you were not awake, when you were not active. But this morning we are exposing every evil spell that the enemy has been putting upon your life. The cross of Jesus is powerful enough. A picture of the cross of Jesus is powerful enough. When we see the death, the beautiful, the glorious, the loving sacrifice of Jesus, I'm telling you that sacrifice is all that we need to be able to overcome every lie, every manipulation, every discouraging word that is being spoken against your life, none of that can hold power over your life henceforth. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's read verse 2. It says, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. Come on, read it with me. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. See, when, when we give you a message, when we teach you something week after week, what we are trying to do is we are trying to portray a picture in front of your eyes, a picture that you can see, a picture that you can follow, a picture that you can envision yourself becoming like. And Paul says, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it because of all the obedience that you did? Is it because of all the good things that you accomplished in your life? No. You got the Holy Spirit because of the message that was spoken to you. That message, it, it, it painted a picture in front of your eyes. That message, it, it gave you hope. It gave you life because faith, it comes by hearing the word of God. And faith, the Bible says, it's an evidence of things that you cannot see. So when the word is coming to you, when... I'm teaching you the word, even though you can't see the death of Jesus here today, there is this evidence being given to you into your spirit, into your heart, into your mind, into your eyes, into your vision of the death of Jesus. There is a picture being painted. And Paul says, as a result of you believing that picture, as a result of you receiving that message, guess what happened to you? you were able to receive the Holy Spirit. So today, I'm not just talking about what we were able to discard or reject, but also about what we were able to receive. When, see, I'm telling you this, we cannot do life without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we received the Holy Spirit because we received that message first. We, when we received that message, that message you know, it portrayed a picture. And so the second benefit that I want to tell you is that you and I have access to the person of the Holy Spirit. You and I have access to receive Him, to host Him in our lives. The Bible says, 
Don't you know? Don't you know this? Let me ask you this one question. Can you ever be religious enough for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Can you ever be holy enough for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Can you ever be righteous enough for God to give you the Holy Spirit as a gift? No, we cannot be. All that we can do is we can receive the cross. And when we receive the cross, the benefit of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes along with it. So today we are not pursuing only the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are pursuing a revelation of the cross. Because I know that when I have a revelation of the cross, I will also have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that presence of the Holy Spirit will, will help me, will enable me, will strengthen me. The one reason we live in failure is because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. The one reason... Let me, let me say it like this. The one reason we fall back into sin over and over again is because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is not meant to just do cool miracles. It is meant to help us to be like Jesus. And if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, if we have the, the enabling presence of the Holy Spirit in our body, then we will not go back into that again and again and again. And so if you are going back into it again and again and again, then you need a revelation of the cross today. Because if you get the revelation of the cross, you will get a presence. You will get a very personal presence of the Holy Spirit. So come on, pray with me. I know, I know that all of us have the Holy Spirit in you. But can you pray with me, saying, Jesus, I need a fresh revelation of of." the death of Jesus. I need a fresh revelation of the cross. I need a fresh revelation of what you have accomplished for me. Because I can't do without the Holy Spirit. Spirit, breathe upon this place today. Breathe upon this place, upon every person that is receiving this message. Every person that is receiving the picture of Jesus, uh, the, the portrayal of Jesus being crucified on the cross. Every person that is receiving this picture, this message, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will breathe upon them. You will breathe upon them. Just like when Peter was preaching about Jesus to Cornelius' house and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would fall upon your children right now. Some of them, when they're watching at home, let it fall upon their homes. Let it fall upon their children. Let it fall upon their households right now in Jesus' name. A fresh, a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Breathe. Come and breathe upon the dry bones, God. Breathe upon hungry children. Breathe upon those that are thirsty to receive from you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. Oh Lord, I cannot do without you. We cannot do 
without you I cannot do without you oh Lord Holy Spirit we love you you're the one we need you're the one we desire You're the one that was poured out because of the death of Jesus. Oh Lord, we love you. Oh Lord, we love you. Sweet Holy Spirit. He's here. Sweet Heavenly Dove. Just honor him right now in your chairs, in your rows. Just honor his presence. Stay right here with us. Feeling us with your love. Come on now. Sweet Holy Spirit. Wield ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. There are things that you never thought you can overcome. But you're overcoming that today because there is a new anointing coming upon you right now. There are things that you thought you will never change and things that you thought you will never become. But there is a new anointing coming upon you. I don't know who this is for, but there are things that you thought you are unable to do. You, you will never reach that place. You will never be in that place. You have looked down upon yourself, but the Lord says... It is because you don't have an anointing for this. But today, the Lord is releasing an anointing for this. The Lord is releasing a grace for this. The Lord is releasing His presence upon you. Just for that one thing, for that one thing that you need, the enabling power, the enabling grace. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we fix our eyes on the cross, there is a new anointing being poured out. What is that one thing that, that you've, you, you've been failing in over and over again? What is that one area where you feel you, you cannot overcome, you cannot break through? Because the Lord says, I'm filling you with inner strength today, inner strength. You have pried everything on the outside, but are you willing to let the Lord do something on the inside today? Are you willing to let the Lord do something on the inside today? You've had a desire to change, but today the Lord is giving you the ability to change.
convict us, Lord. Your love is wild. Your love is wild for me. Your love is wild. Your love is wild for me. Who is it that the Lord is breaking today? Who is it that the Lord is remaking today? redoing renewing today who is it that the lord is reforming today ha shikasare fresh outpouring tear the fabric open Come, Jesus, come. Breath of heaven, nothing left unshaken. We want for more. We need a fresh outpouring. Unleash, unleash a fresh outpouring we need we need a fresh outpouring unleash unleash a fresh outpouring we need a fresh outpouring Unleash a fresh outpouring. Ah, you're so sweet, Lord Jesus. You're so sweet, Holy Spirit. Just come and take over. 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 I know what some of you are thinking in your head. You're saying, I, I already have the Holy Spirit. I already have the presence of God. Why do I need another outpouring? Why do I need the Holy Spirit to fill me afresh? There are different levels, children of God. There are different levels. He wants to promote your level in the Spirit Kingdom. He wants to take you to a different level and you cannot climb this level on your own you cannot climb this level on your own obedience you cannot climb this level on your own holiness 
no 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 you need the holy spirit no you need the outpouring of his presence and paul says when we see when we see when we believe read it one more time with me let me ask you this one question did you receive the holy spirit by by obedience by obeying the law of moses no of course not you received the spirit because you believed the message you heard about christ so today if you have not believed you can never reach a place where you can obey because it's the holy spirit that helps you to obey if you are pursuing obedience you can never reach that place what you need to pursue is the ability to be able to believe jesus said it like this he said see is there anybody that is thirsty let them come to me if you would just believe come to me and drink then out of you will flow rivers of living water so everything in the kingdom of god is conditional to how much you're willing to believe to how much you're willing to trust how much you're willing to take the leap jump in to what god is speaking and what god is doing amen are you ready for the next one what's the first benefit every evil spell every manipulative control over your life is broken when you have a picture of the cross of jesus amen the second thing you receive a fresh outpouring of the holy spirit in your life when you have a picture of the death of jesus verse 3 it says how foolish can you be galatians after starting your new lives in the spirit why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort now do you understand why i said we need a fresh outpouring because so many of us we have begun in the spirit but now we are trying to sustain ourselves in the flesh see if you if you if god has birthed something in your spirit you cannot be sustained in the flesh because i taught you this last sunday anybody remember that everything that is born of the flesh has an expiry date and everything that is sustained by the flesh also has a expiry date so if you have to be something that will not expire that will not finish in time that your your all your human efforts there is a limitation to your human efforts or your will power has a boundary your emotional capacity has a limitation your financial abilities has a limitation your talents skills uh, what you can do for god everything has a boundary everything has a limitation that is why what god has begun in the spirit you cannot sustain in the flesh what god has begun in the spirit you need to continue to go back to the spirit and sustain yourself in the spirit so what paul says is this first hey you need to get rid of that evil influence in your life second you need to receive this encounter so that you can be filled in the holy spirit third now you need to continue to keep the face of jesus before you so that what has begun in the spirit can continue to be sustained in the spirit 
Because we think, oh, death of Jesus, that's for newcomers, right? Those who have not come to Jesus. I mean, those who have, those who don't have a revelation or who have not, who doesn't know about Jesus. It's for those people. But, but Paul says, no, this is not for just them. It's also for all of us who are being in the church for 20, 30 years. And now you've forgotten the basics. Now what has begun in the spirit, now you're trying to perfect it in the flesh. Now you're trying to become perfect by human effort. And Paul says, return back. Return back to that first place where you originally had a revelation of the cross. The picture of the death of Jesus on the cross. Because if you can get back there, then what will, what will happen is not only will you have the grace to be filled in the spirit where you will have the enabling strength and the power for whatever you need to do but also you will have the grace to continue to be sustained in the spirit so when you get married do you pray to make sure you marrying the right person come on all of us right right if you've not prayed, then, 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 then for the rest of your life, you know, you, you need to be. But, but guess what? The problem is we finish with that. But the Bible says whatever, you, whatever is born in the spirit has to be sustained in the spirit. So we give birth to a beautiful company or a beautiful marriage or a beautiful, uh, you know, organization, ministry, whatever in the spirit. And then we try to sustain it in the flesh. Then we, we, then we stop praying about it. Then we stop, start, stop going back to the cross. Then we stop going back to the presence of God. Then we stop going back to God for help in that marriage. Then we stop going back to God for help in that business. And that is where the failure happens. The failure doesn't happen in the origin alone. The failure happens in how we process our decisions on a day-to-day basis. Children of God, it's not enough that you start something in the flesh. It is necessary that we learn, sorry, it is not enough that you start something in the spirit. We need to learn how to sustain it in the spirit. And Paul says, this is how you can sustain it in the spirit. If you can come back to Jesus. If you can come back to the picture of what Jesus has done for you. See, I'll tell you the context of what the church was experiencing, you know, the church at Galatia, they had, uh, you know, they had stooped down to the level of old mosaic laws and regulations and they were expecting everybody to keep the laws of Moses saying, if you will do all these things, then you can eventually be righteous, you can eventually be good and go to the kingdom of heaven and all of that. And Paul is writing to them and saying, guys, no, 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 it's not enough that you were added into the church because of the Holy Spirit, it is necessary that you continue to remain in that place so that you can continue to grow from there. Not that you go back to the old ways now to keep you holy and pure. If you want to be holy and pure, that's a good desire. But you need to learn how to sustain it in the spirit. You need to learn how to sustain it where God intended it to be sustained. So the first benefit of the cross is that every evil spell, every evil eye that is being trying to manipulate you, you can break the 
the control of that evil eye over your life. Second, you receive a fresh outpouring and a presence of the Holy Spirit. Third, you get the grace to continue to be sustained by that Holy Spirit. Do not go back to old human effort one more time. Are you ready for the fourth point? Verse 4, it says, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? So Paul is asking them a question. Hey, see, you've, I've, I've journeyed with you for so many years and it almost feels like we've come so far for nothing. That everything is in vain. That, that you've not grown at all. That you've, you've, you're not progressing at all. And Paul is saying, is it true that, you've, that, that this is it? That you have not gone further at all? And Paul is saying, no, that cannot be. It cannot be. You, today is the day you need to come back to the cross. So, so every area of your life where there is vain things, where you feel this is a waste, where you feel that there is nothingness, there is no productivity coming out of this area. You want to change that area? Come back to the cross. You want to change those feeling that, ah, man, my life doesn't have any purpose. My life doesn't have any drive. Everything feels like it is in vain. The Lord is calling you back to the picture of the cross. Because if you can come back and see the cross one more time, and if you can keep the cross before your face all through your life, then I'm telling you, nothing that you put your hand into will ever be in vain. There'll be nothing that you do that will ever go wasted. Because the Lord says there will be productivity. It cannot be that a child of God put his hands into business and that business doesn't pr prosper. It cannot be. It cannot be that a child of God will initiate something new and it is in vain. It is, it is that nothing good came out of it. It cannot be. Because if you can keep the face of Jesus, the, 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 the picture of Jesus' death before you. I'm telling you, you have, we are yet to unlock the power of the cross. The power of the cross. That's why I began by telling you that Jesus, even in eternity, we will be seeing a picture of Jesus on the cross. Because the Bible says, John, the apostle in Revelation, he would look at Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb as if. He was slain. In, in the book of Revelation, in eternity, in heaven, Jesus will still be showing us glimpses of the cross. So if we can, if we can live our whole life here on earth, not in a sorrowful way. I, I know that many a times we, we come to church to cry on a good Friday. I mean, I, I love it when I get to cry because I enjoy the presence of God. But I don't cry because Jesus died for me. I don't cry because Jesus, you know, endured that pain for me. Because if, if he wouldn't have, I would have had to endure that pain. And I couldn't have. I am truly, truly happy that Jesus did that. I rejoice. I celebrate in that. But today we have to come to the presence of God. And we have to believe that every time that I see that cross, it's not just to create sorrow in me, but it is to create productivity in me. That it has to cause me to become more productive. Every area of my life where I have 
where I've not been producing fruit, today in this season, may there be divine fruitfulness in Jesus' mighty name. Because, the, because Jesus said it like this. He said, unless a grain of wheat doesn't fall to the ground and die, it will not produce fruit. But what Jesus did with his death on the cross is that he fell to the ground and he died. So that you and I can produce fruit. So that you and I can produce results. So that you and I can be fruitful with our lives. Amen. Come on, somebody look at yourself today and say, I will not do anything in vain. There's nothing that I put my hand into that will be wasted. Verse 5. What is the first point? Every evil spell is broken when we have the cross of Jesus. Second, we have a fresh outpouring of God's presence. Third, we are sustained by the Holy Spirit. Fourth, we have productivity because of the presence of the cross in our lives. Verse 5. I ask you again... Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message that you heard about Jesus Christ. So now we are talking about miracles. Are you excited for this? Because Jesus or Paul, what he's saying is that it's not enough that you experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and be sustained by the Holy Spirit. Now he says, see the productivity that I'm going to give in your life is going to bring about miracles. Things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has known will come to place, will take place in your life. That happens when we are in touch with the cross. I don't know how many of you need a miracle this week. Anybody? Oh man, don't be shy. In asking for this. Don't be shy in asking for this. The Lord is gracious. See, we are running after His presence. But when we do run after His presence, His power is part of the package. Miracles are part of the package. Your healing testimonies are part of the package. So whatever it is that you are struggling with, whatever it is that you feel is an area where God needs to break through. See, if it's something that you can do on your own, God doesn't have to do it, then it's not called a miracle. Yeah? If you are a brilliant student and then you passed in your exam, you don't stand up and say, God did a miracle, I passed in my exam. Anybody has done that? Where we give God the glory for what we have done? You know, if... if if you did it on your own, just say, I, I used my contacts or I, I studied 24 hours or I, you know, this is why I passed. But there are those areas of your life where you know you cannot do anything. You need a miracle from the Lord. Those, those things, the Lord says, hey, are you willing to come to the cross? That is where you experienced miracles last time. And that is where you will experience miracles today. So let's, for a quick minute, I'd like to pray for miracles to break out here, okay? So if you don't need a miracle, I need you to pray for somebody else who needs a miracle. I need you to believe for somebody else who needs a miracle. Somebody else who needs a breakthrough. Come on. Believe with me right now. Believe in what God is speaking, what God is doing, what God is releasing in this place.
Faith arise in your heart. Oh yes, let your eyes be fixed back on the cross of Jesus. Let your eyes be fixed back on the person of Jesus. What Jesus did for you on the cross. Let your eyes be fixed back on the cross today, right now. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming in this room. Miracles happen. Oh, healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you Father, in the name of Jesus, I command all those areas of your people's lives, their bodies, where they need a breakthrough, where they need a miracle. Let that miracle be done right now. Because we are right now at the foot of the cross. We are studying about the cross. Every miracle that needs to break forth, yes, in Jesus' name. Even for those things that they have never even asked the church for prayer. I pray that there shall be a miracle that will break out in Jesus' name. Yes, unexpected. Things that we have not even asked more than what we could imagine. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it is done. And everybody said an amen. amen. I want you to go back and check and bring us the testimonies, okay? Whatever you prayed for right now. Some of you may have prayed for yourself or for somebody else in your home. But miracles have happened. Healings have come through. Breakthroughs have been released. Whatever you thought is impossible to happen overnight, quickly, immediately, it has happened right now. Amen. According to the measure of our faith, we have received some supernatural breakthroughs right now. So I want you to bring your testimonies next week when you come, okay? Because the Lord is doing something impossible in this place. What is the first thing that we received as a benefit of the cross? Every evil spell, witchcraft, Manipulation, control has been broken. Then we receive the Holy Spirit. Then we continue to grow in the Spirit. Then there is no wastage. We are becoming productive in the foot of the cross. Then the Bible says we, we get to see miracles being worked among us. Amen? Are you ready for worships? Come on now. This is beautiful. It says in the same way... Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Are you ready for the next point? You become righteous every time you see the cross. 
you become righteous. Righteousness is imparted to you. I, I didn't say you do righteousness. I said you become righteous. You are counted as righteous. Every time you look at yourself or every time you look at the rules and regulations, you are shown and you are told how much you lack, how much you are not enough, how much you are not good enough, how, how, how unholy you are. But every time you look at the cross of Jesus, the Bible says you are counted righteous. I don't know if you need that, but I, I know that I need that. Because I know that no matter how much I try, I always feel, sh I always fall short of my own standards. Forget about God's standards. God's standards is up there. I fall short of even my own standards. Today, we need the revelation of the cross that will count us as righteous. Not just, not just, you know, say that, okay, because of this, you will uh, have to go through 40 days of process of ultimately becoming righteous. No, no, no. You are counted righteous. Now, right now, if you have a revelation of Jesus, you are holy, you are pure, you are blameless. Just as Jesus is, the way that Jesus is holy, so you are holy just because of your revelation of the cross of Jesus. You are counted as righteous. The Bible says, Abraham... See, Abraham needed so much faith for this because Abraham had not seen Jesus. Abraham only had a tiny bit of revelation of what Jesus will do. And yet, because of his faith, Abraham was counted righteous. When was this? In the Old Testament, before the law was given, before the rules and the regulations were laid out, how did Abraham walk with God? By faith. He had that picture. See, when he did kill or try to kill his son, he had a revelation of the cross at that point. And from that point, the Bible says, man, this guy, he, he believed. He believed that even if Isaac would die, that God would raise him back to life. That's the kind of faith he had. And, and, and that faith was the evidence of things that he has never seen. He had not seen the cross but that was the evidence of things that he had not seen. And that faith made him righteous. And some of you, today the Lord is calling you righteous. I know some of the names you've been called. I know that some of the titles you've received, maybe from your parents, maybe from your friends, maybe from your enemies, maybe from those people that write about you on social media. I know some of the titles your doctors have written about you. Whatever it may be, but the Lord is calling you righteous this morning. The Lord says you're righteous. You're counted as righteous. If you are at the foot of the cross, if you're willing to see the death of Jesus, he says you are righteous. You're already there. You're ready for heaven. You're ready to, to, to become everything that God has called you to be. Everything that God has ordained for you to be. Amen. So what is the sixth thing that we receive? We become righteous when we, we are counted righteous. Not just that we become righteous, but we are counted as righteous when we are seeing a picture of the cross 
Let, let me rewind one more time. We dispel every witchcraft, every evil eye, everything that is negative, every manipulative word that is being spoken over our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit. We are sustained. We grow in the Holy Spirit. There, we, there is no wastage. There is no vain thing that my hand will touch. Then I see the miracle working power of God in my life. And then I am counted as righteous because I am willing to believe. Because I am willing to see what God is showing me. Verse 7. I don't know if you're ready for this. Are you ready for this? No? My son says he's not ready for this. It says the real children of Abraham then are those are those who put their faith in God. So who, who, is, who is the real children of God? Who is the real children of Abraham on the earth today? The ones that are living in Israel, right? The Jews, the 12 tribes, if they can prove their genealogies. They are children of Abraham, no doubt about it. Praise God for what he's doing for them, through them, all of that. But God says, the real children of Abraham are those who've come to the foot of the cross, who have that picture of the cross, and who have put their faith in what Jesus has done. They are the real children of Abraham. Which means, come on, talk to me about Abraham. Abraham, at one point, he had so much wealth. And he was wondering, oh my God, I don't have a child to leave this wealth to. You know, he's in fact praying and he's like, oh wow, so my servant is going to inherit all my wealth. See, this is the thing about being a child, being of a son, is that you get an inheritance when you're a son, when you're a child. And if you don't know, Abraham was a very wealthy guy. So not only do you inherit the righteousness that he received from God because he was counted as, uh, as righteous because of his faith, but you're also now counted as a child of Abraham. So God said, hey, Abraham, you, your descendants and everyone that comes out of you, you are blessed. And because of you, everybody else will be blessed. Because of your children, everybody else will be blessed. Which means today, if you come to the foot of the cross, and if you're able to believe what Jesus has done for you, you become a child of Abraham. You, you inherit the riches of Abraham. The Bible said it like this. It said that, hey, Christ became poor so that you and I, we can become rich. And many... Amazing scholars of God's word. They will say that it is spiritual poverty that it's talking about. It was not spiritual poverty. Jesus was not spiritually poor. Jesus was, you know, spiritually rich. Where he did become poor is physically. And if you read that context in, in Corinthians, it's not talking about spiritual love, devotion. No, it's talking about money. It says, Jesus, he became poor so that we can become rich. Just pick up that scripture whenever you can and meditate on that. Find any other interpretation to that and come and tell me if there is. The foot of the cross, when you are able to see a revelation of what Jesus has done for you, I'm telling you, that will unlock 
every financial door that needs to open for you. What does a child need to do to inherit his father's wealth? Like, does he have to go to some training, schooling, you know, business, study something? Nothing. He just has to exist. He just has to be there and he will inherit the money. So today, the Lord is reminding you of your inheritance. The Lord is telling you, hey, you have incredible wealth already in your bank account. Only if you will just come back. Only if you will just come and take a glimpse at the cross. So that is why when Paul writes to the church of Galatia, Paul is calling them, you foolish Galatians. You don't know what you're missing. You know, if, if you know that, you know, let's say that, uh, you know, uh, somebody, okay, can I just call somebody by name and just, <laughs> okay, Joey, for whatever reason, let's say that Joey, his father has like, give, like has deposited a lot of money in his bank account, okay, and has written a big will with everything. Uh, he says that everything that is mine is now yours. And then Joey comes and tells us, no, 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 but I, I, don't, want, I don't want to go back home. I don't want to have a relationship with this person. I'll, I'll somehow try and earn everything, you know, on my own. What will we call him? That's why Paul called the church at Galatia, you foolish Galatians. You don't know what you're missing. You need to go back to where... What is hidden inside of you? What is available for you? Can you come back to the cross? Can you come back to where you began? Because that is where every evil eye will be removed from you. That is where every breakthrough that you need, every miracle that you need, every blessing that you need is hidden at the foot of the cross. If you can come back there and see the cross one more time and envision what Jesus did for you, I'm telling you, we will inherit every blessing that Abraham inherited from God. Every blessing that was spoken upon Abraham. Come on, tell your neighbor, you are a real child of Abraham. Look at another neighbor and say, you are also a real child of Abraham. And how many of you know that children are usually more wealthy than the parents are? Because, you know, wealth, it continues to grow as it comes down through generations. And because of what Jesus has done for us, although we may look Gentiles, we may look like Gentiles, we are not because we are the real children. We are the real children. We are the real children. Come on now. Somebody said an amen to that. So let me remind you again, we dispel every eye, every evil eye, we receive the Holy Spirit, we continue to grow in the Holy Spirit, no wastage in our life, we, He works miracles in our life, we are counted righteous in God's sight and now we are a real child of Abraham. I'm almost running out of time, can I quickly go through the remaining seven points? Can I quickly call this out over your life and bless you with this? Okay, verse 8. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in His sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when He said, All the nations will be blessed through you. 
So is it right if I say today by faith that the Gentiles, if we are the real children of Abraham, I'm not talking about us, but the Gentiles, the ones that are not the real children of Abraham, can I say that they are blessed because of you? Can I declare that those unbelievers in your house, they are blessed because of you? Can I declare that those unbelievers in your workplace, in your building, in your apartment, in your neighborhood, they are blessed because of you? Oh, no, no, no. You didn't hear me correct. I didn't say they are blessed because of Jesus. I said they are blessed because of you. You are the light of your home. You are the precious, the most important, the VVIP in your workplace. It's not your CEO. It's not those guys that have a lot of money in their bank account. It is you, my dear child. It is the children of Abraham. You are. All nations will be blessed. Nations of the earth will be blessed. Gentiles will be blessed. Different religious affiliations, whatever religions they belong to, they are blessed because you are in their life. May that be said about you. When they come to you, may they say that about you, that I know and I know and I know. You are the source of the blessings that I have experienced in my life. Come on now, verse 9, it says, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. Come on. They share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. Do you remember the blessing that Abraham received because of his faith? God called him out and he said, Hey, those who bless you, they are blessed. And those who curse you, will be cursed. So the Bible says, because you have come to the cross, because you've seen the cross one more time, now you experience the same blessing. So the encounter that Abraham had with God in Genesis 12, 1, when God came to Abraham and God called him out from his father's house and God gave him an encounter and God blessed him. And we think, wow, how glorious it would have been to have that, right? God says, guess what? It's yours. Every time you see Jesus, that blessing that Abraham received, that's yours. You're blessed. Whoever blesses you now is blessed. And God have mercy on anybody that will curse you. Oh my God, you, they are in big trouble. Because God says, if somebody will invest into your life, I will invest into their life. And if somebody will steal from your life, I'm the one who is going to steal from their life. If somebody is going to hurt you, I'm the one that is going to hurt them. See, you can bear it when a human being hurts you. But you can't bear it when God decides to become your enemy. You cannot recover from that. You can recover from financial problems. You can recover from health issues. But if God says, I am your enemy... You cannot recover from that. So don't, if you find somebody who is a real child of Abraham, who, who loves the cross, don't take panga with that guy. <laughs> Leave him on his own. Let God correct this guy. Don't take panga. Don't, you know, he may be wrong. He may be doing very foolish things in life. Don't take panga with him. Just let him be. Let his pastor correct him. Or let his leaders correct him. Let, a, let somebody else fight him. 
you don't pick a fight with a son of Abraham. Because God says, I will bless them that bless them. And I will curse those that curse them. It says in verse 10, But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of law. So today, because we have come to the cross, we are free from every bondage of the law. We are free from every curse of the law. We are free from every expectations and every demands of the law. You and I, we are free because we have the cross of Jesus. Verse 11, it says, So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law for the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life so you and i we are made right with god not only are we now counted righteous but we are made right with god which means the gap that is there between okay i love you but i don't but you still need to pay up that gap has been filled because God says, now, you're, now I have made you right with me. Because of the cross, because you believe in this message, you don't have to do anything to reach here. God says, you know what? You have been made right. Verse, till where did we reach? Verse 12, right? Now we are on 12. It says the way of faith is very different from the way of law. Which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So when you have a picture of Jesus, what you also have is the is a experience. You experience. You have a, a revelation. You have the grace to have a revel the the walk of faith, a journey of faith, something that you could never have on your own strength. Now you can walk by faith. It is not because of your faith that you experience all of God's kingdom, all of God's blessings. It's because of the revelation that God has given you about His cross that you can now live by faith. See, even when we say faith, I believe, I believe, we are still depending on our own works, right? But what God says is no. Even the faith that you need, the way of faith, it also comes to you as a gift because you see the cross. There are many who wants to see the cross, but they find the cross as foolishness. They find the cross ridiculous. They find the cross meaningless. But you and I, for us, the cross makes sense because God chose to open our eyes. And that is why that way of faith itself is a benefit, is a blessing of us being able to see the cross. Come on, read verse 13 with me. One, two, three, go. But Christ, read it loudly, but Christ has rescued us from the curse that is pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is anyone who hung on a tree. So there is a curse for our wrongdoing. You know that every time you do something wrong, you don't just have a punishment, you also have a curse. 
There is a curse that is released upon your life. If you go into the book of Genesis chapter 4, from there, curse has been part and partial of humanity. You know, there is curse spoken for a lot of things in the Old Testament. If you skip your tithe, you're cursed. If you've, if you've hurt your neighbor, you've, you're cursed. If you've dishonored your parents, you know, how many, I, I don't know. I don't want you to lift your hands, especially if your parents are in the room. <laughs> you know what, what I mean, right? The Bible says if you have dishonored your parents, you're cursed. It says the curse of your wrongdoing was carried by Jesus. How do you receive this? You receive this when you come and see the cross one more time. See, see the problem with us is we think that 1987, July 15th, when I got saved... Ah, it was all done. Now I can live however I want to. No, you need to come back to the cross. Whatever has been begun in the spirit has to now be sustained in the spirit. So you need to keep coming back there. And there are fresh curses that has been spoken over your life in the last one week because of all the wrongdoing you have done in the last one week. And where do you get freedom over those curses? You come back to the cross where Jesus took the curse of your wrongdoing upon himself. And it is by believing. See, see, see. You don't have to go on a seven-day fasting against the curses to reverse. No, no, no. You just come and see a revelation. Have a revelation of what Jesus has done for you. And that revelation will break every curse. That revelation will lift up every curse. That revelation will cancel every curse that has been spoken over your life. The book of Proverbs, it says that a curse... uh, that is undeserved will not stay. Okay? There are curses that are spoken over your life that is undeserved. That will not stay because you remember the previous blessing. Those who bless you is blessed and those who curse you is So if, if they curse you for something you don't deserve, I'm telling you, they are in trouble. But if they curse you for something that you do deserve, it It was your wrongdoing. It is because of your mistake that you ended up there. The Bible says the curse of our wrongdoing. Jesus carried it on the cross. So when we come come to the cross, I'm telling you, we we are the most blessed people on planet Earth. That is why some people, they call this grace scandalous. You You can try and misuse this grace by, you know, just treating it like municipality water tap, you know, how we treat municipality water tap. Because that's how much God gives this grace to us. He's not just counting you righteous. He's saying, now you're made right with me. Not only are you made right with me, the curse of your wrongdoing, the daily consistent wrongdoing, the curse, I carried it, everything. You know, see, you, you may think, oh, it's only about the curses that happened before I got saved. Wait a minute. When did Jesus die? 2,000 years back, no? So everything that you did before, after, whatever you did, Jesus died back in the day, no? When Jesus died, it says that Jesus carried the curses of all your life, your entire life. There's nothing that you can do wrong for. The curse is not already being carried upon Jesus. In fact, it was not even 2,000 years back. The Bible says before the foundation of the earth was laid, Jesus was slain. 
Even before the foundation of the earth was laid, Jesus died to carry the curse of your wrongdoing and my wrongdoing. See, today we have to come and value the cross. I'm also, you know, as I'm giving you the benefits of seeing the picture of the cross, I'm hoping that some of us will pursue this cross in the craziest, in the saddest, in the most guilty faces of our lives. When we feel that, oh my God, I have done something horrible, pursue the cross. When you feel that, oh man, I'm not good enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm, I'm not there yet, pursue the cross. Because when you pursue the cross, you get the benefit that is hidden in God's word, the blessing that is hidden in God's word when you understand a revelation of Jesus who died for you. Verse 14, the last one. Read it with me. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers, we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Because of Jesus, because we have now trusted in what Jesus has done, the Bible says now we have received the biggest promise and the biggest blessing. That is, we have received the Holy Spirit through faith. See, if you see the root word of the word promise there, it is not the word promise, it's the word blessing. The blessing of the Holy Spirit. So the greatest blessing that you and I can ever have from God is His presence. Jesus said, the reason I am going, it's necessary that I go because unless I go, he will not come. But when I do go, when I do get out of the way, the counselor will come. The blessing, the actual blessing is not even Jesus. Jesus saying this, not me. Jesus saying this, even I'm not the one. The Holy Spirit is the blessing that is going to come upon you. When you trust in me, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the one who will take you there, but when you come through me, you will receive the blessing. The blessing is the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, being, it's, it's you know, the, soup, the, the things on the surface, the, the physical blessings, the health-related blessings, the financial blessings, all of these can be fascinating, amazing. Thank God for those things. But the biggest blessing that you and I have is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, when you come to the cross, you receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit through faith. You receive the blessing. The blessing of the Holy Spirit was what was promised to Abraham thousands of years back. And that you receive by faith. We receive the blessing. It says, it says that so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Can I read the 14 blessings, the 14 benefits one more time? Are you ready for this? When we have a picture of the cross of Jesus, we dispel every witchcraft, every evil influence upon our soul. We receive the Holy Spirit. We continue to grow in that Holy Spirit. There is now no wastage, no vain things that will be allowed to cling on to you as you enter into the next season of your life. And He begins to work miracles among you. Now you are counted righteous in God's sight. You become a real child of Abraham. All nations, all people group, all languages, religious people will be blessed through you. 
Now we share the blessing of Abraham. And the Bible says that you're free from the law, from its demands and from the curse. You're made right with God. You experience this way of faith. Every curse of your wrongdoing is placed upon Jesus. And then we receive the promises and the blessings that God has for us. Every time we come to the cross. Can we have verse 1? I want that verse 1 to go deep into our spirit. One more time. You read it with me. Oh foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death. Was made as clear to you. As if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. A picture of his death on the cross. A picture of his death on the cross. 